Bonjour and welcome to my Worth Thinking podcast on my What For Short, hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every week. The sun is shining, been for some beers this week, um, getting vaccinated today, which sounds a bit weird, I used to get my dog vaccinated, <laughs> but no, all all good and going in the, the right direction, so that's brilliant news for everybody. Now today I'm speaking to Ira Israel, now Ira is such an interesting person, he's a counsellor, a psychotherapist. Uh, who helps people overcome depression, anxiety, he's wrote books, he's full of mindfulness, he's travelled the world, such an interesting character, so you're going to love this chat. Just be aware, my side, which I didn't realise, these are technical issues you get when you do podcasts, is my uh, microphone actually died. So I do apologise now for my audio, it's not my perfect usual tones they are a bit echoey because it's through the computer but don't worry about that because most of the talking is done by Ira anyway and that's the important thing but just be aware of that oh just not professional professional enough am I now my way I think is all about us amazing human beings that all have a story to tell and those stories can vary massively but with the guests I'll be interviewing you'll always be able to take a little bit of our voice or insight in our in how extraordinary we can be. Remember, there's only four rules. One, no bullshitting. Two, no judging. Three, no negativity. Four, have fun. Remember, if you look above me out on YouTube, there should be links to the previous episode. We just did one with John uh, Bosiak, uh, which is one of America's biggest uh, credit card fraudsters. Such a, an interesting chat. Crazy chat with him. So make sure you look back at that and, and have a listen to that. It is... Uh, an interesting one, trust me. And remember the podcast stream on all the usual platforms, iTunes, uh, iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're also on YouTube. Just put my way thinking podcast and we will pop up. And finally, if there's a guest you want me to ask on or you want to ask me a question, just drop me an email. It's mywhatpodcast.aol.com. Okay, let's get on with it. And this is my interview with Ira. So welcome to my way of thinking. I have a very special guest on today. All the way from Santa Monica, it is Ira Israel. Woo! Welcome, Ira. You okay? Yeah, it's great to be here, Lee. Thanks so much. Good. We were just having a little, little conversation there about getting the lighting right to reflect the best way we can of our beautiful postures and <laughs> the pressure. The pressure. I couldn't be one of these social media kids that you know, with the pressure. I couldn't take it. <laughs> Not for me making sure everything's perfect and there's no real life in that anyway i mean i always tend to in a lot of the conversations i talk about social media um and it is a difficult subject this day and age but i'm sure we'll we, you know we'll cover that soon. i have a lot to say about that well yeah yeah but anyway lovely for you to come on and we'll, we'll get stuck into your story in a minute but i know you live in santa monica and you love the place so what i always tend to do because i interview people from around the world is talk about those different places just to see if Google's correct and if the facts are correct, which usually they're not. But but I, I am interested in Santa Monica because we still haven't done the, the run. Me and my wife want to come over there, get a Winnebago, do the run down from San Fran, uh, which just seems amazing. It's just doing it. Um, so I am really interested because it looks beautiful. But let, let me ask you a couple of things. So apparently in Santa Monica, trapeze is a big deal. You can... Uh, Go shopping in Santa Monica, but you can also attend their very own trapeze school. If you watch, if you watch Pink's uh, VMA performance, she's obviously trained with the best of the best. And that was yeah. apparently from people in, in Santa Monica. 
uh, at the world famous trapeze school. Uh, is that true? Yeah, they, uh, down on the pier, they have a trapeze thing. You can go there for an hour and uh, anybody can go. Uh, I, I have not made my way down there as of yet, but uh, it's there. I know it's there. And I and Pink was living in Venice and she used to go to yoga down here uh, at, at, on 2nd Street. Uh, so there's, a, it's a, there's, there's interesting people doing interesting things yeah. that you... <laughs> You, you bump into a, a you know a, at odd places tennis yoga you know everybody has to go out restaurants so but that sounds just great to me I've got a, a daughter she's twelve and I can just imagine going on holiday there walking on the beach and her saying I want to do that dad <laughs> yeah. yeah so that that's the first one right next one now this tends to come up on a lot of facts for Sam to Monica they obviously love it. Uh, but one of the best environmental friendly Santa Monica facts is that the pier is home to the Pacific wheel, which is the first solar powered Ferris wheel. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. And it's, it's iconic. Like you can see it any place, like most of the time. So I'm on Montana and 23rd. I'll ride my bike down Montana uh, almost every day and then go down. And it's just, it's just, as I said, iconic. It's just there, this huge, beautiful Ferris wheel and the, the pier and and everything. So it's it's very um, you know, it's I I I I always think during the summer there's all these tour buses and people, you know, they save all their money from like Denmark and Norway and all these Iceland and whatnot. And you see them get off the buses and I ride by them and I'm like, I live here. No, yeah. people save money <clears throat> to travel here and and then people ask me they're like hey you want to go to hawaii and sit on the beach and i'm like what? <laughs> like what what's the, what i don't know i don't get it i mean the water's a little clearer but like i don't need to be on an airplane for six hours to you know like it's really it the, the quality of life here in santa monica for me i have a vespa and um as long as you can avoid traffic, which I do on the Vespa or I ride my bicycle uh, and I have a car if I need to go shopping or something like that also. I'm not a total, you know, like anti-capitalist. Um, but but, uh, but it, it, the, the quality of life is exquisite here. It's really, it's very, it very hot. It's expensive to live there though, Aura. <laughs> um, you know what? COVID has really done an interesting thing because there's uh, all the there was a dearth of apartment buildings and now there's a plethora of, uh, of apartments. So uh, the, 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 because of COVID, a lot of people have had to move out. So now it's becoming more um, reasonable to, to live here. On the other hand, there's been this phenomenon that's occurred in the past four or five years that's called Silicon Beach. So a lot of people in Silicon Valley, because of the fires and uh, other bad climate things, they moved down here to Pile Del Rey. So we have Amazon, we have uh, Google, YouTube, uh, we had Yahoo, Hulu, you know, it, it's all, all here. So that so there's been this uh, inverse thing where like those people in that a little south of where I am have raised the rents, but where I am it's kind of it's 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 you get used to it. It's it's not it's not worse than London or Paris. Yeah, and the thing is, if you're if you're in somewhere beautiful, whether you've got the weather and you enjoy it there, you don't go on holiday as much, I suppose, and you're going to pay a premium. 
I spoke to someone who lived in, uh, I think it was Los Angeles, and they were saying the rent and taxes were really high there. Um, but, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think I think the pandemic will. When we come out of the pandemic, things are going to change, and we'll see a difference. But that's for all the entrepreneurs and all that kind of business. <laughs> okay, right now, obviously, Santa Monica is at the end of Route sixty six. Obviously, uh-huh. it was created to link Chicago to Los Angeles. Have you rode up and down that? I have. The Vespa. Have you been on the Vespa along that route? Ah, the Vespa. No, no. We went to. We went through 66. I had a friend flying from Paris, and we went across. Uh, I remember all like the um, the stores that sell like Elvis paraphernalia, weird like yeah. oh, things from the 50s, soda shops, and we we drove. We went all the way. Uh, through Albuquerque, Santa, Santa Fe, like we, we went quite far. It's, it's, it is beautiful. There's a lot of really um, pristine areas still here. And as you were mentioning, Route 1 coming down the coast uh, is really lovely. I'm, I'm going up to teach at Esalen on Sunday. So I'm, I'm driving up and uh, up and around Santa Cruz. And yeah, it's really visually stunning yeah see i've got a motorbike and i would just love to go on a motorbike along that route i bet it would just be amazing um now final one so talking about cycling cycling's a big thing there apparently one of the friendliest cities for cyclists uh their trails the weather's beautiful but you've got the the big biking lanes which is everyone is friendly you see on the films and things like that things like that uh, is it that friendly you know it's a, it's really interesting i i visited a buddy in amsterdam a lot and like that to me you know even in the rain and people were very considerate and it was it was it was more friendly but we the 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 government here has instituted bike lanes and the drivers are considerate and there it is becoming more and more like a, a very uh, safe biking town I, I i love it i i'm out like every day so yeah that's good i mean over here they're trying to push it of course it's better for everyone's fitness and it's better for pollution but in i mean in london i don't really travel to london too often but it's terrible there it's sort of a battle between the cyclists and the car drivers and it's like you must be crazy to drive through uh, london on a cycle which is a shame really because you should want to especially in the nice weather you should say i want to take my bike Whereas at the minute, it's a bit like, oh, it's too dangerous. And I think yep. they need to sort that out over it. But I mean, over there, it looks beautiful. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, good. Rob, well, thanks for making me sick while I look out the window here and it's pouring a, <laughs> pouring a rain and dull. Um, but thanks ever so much for coming on. Now, I spoke on my podcast, it's always quite funny. Because of the pandemic, I've spoken to people in Australia, all, all over the world. It's brilliant how it connects us. And also social media, we'll talk about social media. It's great when you use it for the right, the right reasons and the right way. And I think that's how we connected. I think it was just a message on you'd seen yeah. something or I'd seen something. And if I see interesting people, I just say, oh, I'll message them. Do you want to be interviewed? And I started looking up. And, and then, because oh, I'm a terrible researcher, really what I should be doing, this is probably why I'll never be Joe Rogan, is I should research but I don't, I just see someone, I think, oh, I like them. And then I could look up and you could be a serial killer. <laughs> but luckily you're not. 
you you know I, I'm pretty good judge of character. You've got some brilliant. I mean, your website and what you've been up to is just phenomenal, really. Give us a little bit of background of where you started from and how you ended up in, in Santa Monica to where you are. Um, I was born in, in the Bronx in New York City. Oh, uh, uh, my parents escaped to, to Connecticut, so I grew up in the suburbs for 18 years. And uh, at that point in time, uh, there was a car accident. I don't know how much you know. And then uh, I, I went to university, but essentially because of, um, I had my face blown off my head and my leg shattered and supposedly um, they didn't really know if I was going to live or not, uh, uh, you know. Um, so I just, then? I was 18. And oh, so um, I went on this journey searching for the meaning of life. Uh, you know, whether it was in school or I would go to an ashram in India or I'd end up some in somebody's class or, or things like that. So there was about eight or nine years. I actually lived in Paris for three of them where I was studying philosophy and, and film. And then um, and then I got then I was in Thailand and I got hurt and a woman healed me with her hands. I don't yeah. know. how. Yeah. And, and then at, at, at that moment in time, I was just thinking that all of Western philosophy could be like misguided in some way. So, <laughs> so, so I started studying Buddhism, Hinduism, Kabbalah. And so there was like eight years where I studied spirituality. I have a master's degree first in philosophy, then in religious studies, studying Buddhism, Hinduism, and Kabbalah. And then I got into a dysfunctional relationship and that got me, study, <laughs> that got me um, uh, studying uh, psychology. And then, uh, you know, like if it, my joke is that if you looked in my life at any point during those 25 years, you'd be like, yeah, poor soul. Like, what, what, he's just lost walking around Paris. <laughs> just, he's just lost, you know, going to museums on weekdays. You know, like, that, so, and then all of a sudden, I was um, teaching yoga at Rodney Yee's yoga studio in Oakland. And a woman came in and, and, um, and literally like all of the aspects of my life, including film school and, and, and everything kind of just converged and everything made sense. And, and it just, a spark just came and it said, you have to make DVDs. So I made yoga for depression and anxiety. I made uh, mindfulness for depression, mindfulness for anxiety, beginner's guide to happiness. The first one became a bestseller in in uh, in six months, and and then that that got me starting to teach just all over. So basically, for twenty five years, I was wildly indulgent. If I wanted to study something, I would just go study it. Study it. I studied parapsychology at Duke University. Uh, I studied uh, Reiki healing in uh, in um, in London. I would just go places because I was just, just endlessly, insatiably curious about like, how people were finding a meaning to life. And, um, and now, uh, for the past 11 years, I've just been trying to give back and, and, and share the tools that I learned to keep people at basically the high end of their happiness spectrum. Wow. That, you've done that before, haven't you? Because you did that in about two minutes. It was very succinct. <laughs> uh, I got a longer version. Uh, <laughs> well, well, the first thing is what what interests me is obviously you had a crash and that was terrible, and you you were cured by traditional medicine, I take it, and operations right. like that. And then you talk about 
uh, you had a, a problem or, or something. And I, I cracked my head on a door. Yeah. yeah, and you were cured by other means. Now, that interests me. A friend of mine does Reiki, and I don't believe, I don't know what I believe. I have faith, but I, I'm not religious. And I had a bad back problem, and she put her hands over me, and I could feel the heat and the energy. Right. And, I thought, and, and that started to make me think then. So tell us a little bit about when you were healed that way. What, what, what it, it was super interesting because I was very skeptical. Yeah. And I, I had seen it once and I thought it was bullshit. <laughs> and uh, and uh, what happened was it was probably about 12 o'clock. We were on uh, Lanai Beach and I, I remember having some soup. And then I'm 5'11", and I walked through a door frame with my sunglasses on, and and I cracked the top of my head. I mean, full gate, like like you know, massive thing. So this is Koh Samui, 1994. There's not a hospital on the island. They they I think they just got their first fax machine. The the, the roads were dirt roads at the time, you know. So we went to this place called the spa, and I hope the woman is listening. Her name was Shelly King, yeah. and I was kind of like drifting off, and and <laughs> and and she and she's like, what, like what, what's going on, you know? And um, and I said, well, I, I, I excuse me if I'm not my normal chip herself, but I cracked my head on the door, and and she said, well, well let me heal you. And I was like, no, I don't believe in witchcraft, you know? And my friend, Linda, who I was with was like, go ahead, I wanna see her heal you. <laughs> and there was a, a bench there and she put me down on the bench and she started to just, I didn't say a word. She yeah. just started to move her hands around and she's like, okay, I found it. And I could feel like what you were kind of saying, like a, a it was. It felt like static electricity, you know. And there, there was definitely a gash uh, in my head. And then I started. I just remember seeing sweat bead on her lip, and 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 I felt this. And then after about twenty minutes, she said, "Okay, it's shut off." And I was like, "What shut off?" And she said, "The energy." And so I touched it and the best word I can use is it was cauterized. Like it was, it was sealed. Like the, the, the gash, there was no, it wasn't like bloody or anything. It was just like, it was like, it was like if you, if it was, it was like it, it, it speeded up the natural process by like a week. And then she ran her hands down my body, like uh, over, you know, my whole body. And she just gave me this whole history of like my life and, and she just, she, it was, uh, yeah, it was very interesting and very accurate to have a reading instantaneously unsolicited. And um, then she convinced me to spend uh, 10 days fasting and learning about Buddhism and Hinduism. And another interesting thing is that I, I had been, a woman pulled tarot cards at a party. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Earlier in Paris in like 93, and she goes, <clears throat> she's like, oh, look, you're going to go on a trip far, far away, and it's going to change your life forever. And I swooped up the cards, and I said, these cards are shit. I'm not going anyplace. <laughs> and, and like, this is, this is bunk. And, um, and, and, and I went on this trip and I knew nothing about Buddhism or Hinduism or yoga or anything before 1994. And then I spent these 10 days studying uh, with this Australian woman, Shelley King in Koh Samui, Thailand. And, uh, and so since then, 
you know, then I went on and I went to Duke to, um, to study parapsychology because I just thought like, what is all this, what is our paradigm? Like when we say like, what it, like for me as in my book, uh, there's a chapter like, like uh, about science, about the myth of romantic love, about capitalism. I'm really interested in why we believe the things that we believe. You know, um, Thomas Kuhn wrote in the late 60s that the, the, um, the, the paradigm shifts, he was speaking about science every 25 years, but you know, if you, I, it, now it's like a, a week. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like everybody, everybody in Los Angeles right now is listening to, hold on, let me get, I don't even know what it's called. There's this new app. It's called uh, Clubhouse. Yes, right? yes. And, and I, I don't even understand how they're going to make money. But before that, like last year, it was TikTok. And, you know, like, we're, like things are so happening so quickly here. Yeah. And um, I even was talking to a doctor yesterday who said that he was thinking that herd immunity might, occur, might happen here within like by midsummer, you know, which is very different from, you know, the, uh, the, the, the thoughts that other people were having. So again, the world's uh, changing at light speed. Yeah. So we have to be able to show up in a certain way because if we if we're rigid if we're stuck in our ways then you know it's a problem. Yeah, I think the thing is, and, and you talk about um, Clubhouse, which is a good example. I've, I've been on there and I've dropped in a few rooms and listened, and um, I was talking on another podcast about this. Some of it is very good if you've got a good moderator and he knows what he's saying and he's controlling it. But then I've been in a few rooms where they brought someone in, they brought this guy in, and he was just obviously stoned out his face. And they were like, hi, what do you want to ask? He's like, oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I was like, this, this room's lost any validation. And I think the thing is with Clubhouse and all these other things, one is uh, it's a great, it can be a great thing. There's potential there. But we've got to be careful that we don't do it that fast that we lose the reasoning behind it. You know, people see Facebook and uh, Amazon and they think, oh, you know, we want to be the next billionaire. We want to be the next big thing. But these people went through a lot of hard work and it was not just overnight. They were thinking exactly how they were going to run it out of platform, you know. So I think that's a big thing in this day and age. The world's moving that fast and everyone wants the next big thing. And you've got to do it the right way. But yeah, Clubhouse is, uh, yeah. For me, uh, the things that I've teaching, uh, uh, the things I've studied, 93% of all communications are nonverbal. So uh, in my book, I write mirror neurons do not fire via text message. So we need to get, we're, hopefully after the pandemic, like we can go and grab a beer and grab, go, you know, go to dinner and do things because we really need to interact with people in a physical way. And these two dimensions, they kind of delude us into thinking, you know, that there's a whole generation of kids who are, you know, growing up on video games. And it's funny because you talk to them. Firstly, they, they use the word conversation, which I think is, it's been, it's, it's been happening for 10 years. Yeah, I had a conversation with my boyfriend and then you realized they were texting. That's, <laughs> that's not a conversation. And then, I'm on the, and then I had another, I have this other client who's like 19 and he's like, yeah, I hang out with my friends all the time. We play Call of Duty. Like one's in Korea, the other one's in whatever. <laughs> he's never actually met any of these people. Like, but they're friends because they played this game together online. So, 
I don't know. Like I, the other line from the book is uh, one hug equals <laughs> 1 million uh, Facebook likes. One hug equals 1 million. Like we need, we need, we need hugs. You know, we need, we need to, we need to, to cuddle. We need to walk hand in hand. We need to throw a Frisbee on the beach, grab a coffee. You know, we, we like that doesn't happen on the internet. I think, I think that's one thing. It's funny how things happen that the pandem pandemic's happened. And you almost think, was this designed? Because it's almost, we've got to a place where we were losing that. And now as things free up, we're all going to be hugging. Even the huggers are not going to be hugging because you appreciate it so much. I mean, here, the vaccine rollout, I don't know if you're aware, has been phenomenal. Uh, yeah. You know, millions and millions, and hopefully by the summer, every, everything is back to normal, fingers crossed. Wow. Um, but yeah, just taking Pete, there's an old boy, one of my best friends, I took him, he was quite emotional. He's not an emotional person, but I was quite emotional, you know, and he'd never hug, but you still hug. And yeah. it's that interaction, and then hopefully, I think people will appreciate, the people that, didn't really hug before now will actually be a lot more open to yeah. having that interaction i really do hope because yeah. there is something in it i mean you said about the film um, making thing and i write scripts and some people send scripts for me to uh, read for them and the amount of people that put, just put a heavy dialogue and you don't and i'll say you don't need that dialogue all you need is that look and that interaction with people it's not all about you know, stating everything. Let's sit back, have a bit of time. Right? Yeah. Anyway, so it sounds to me that obviously when you had this life-changing injury and you nearly lost your life, you've then gone searching for certain answers. And right. to do that, you've gone to, and done all these things, which have amassed to an amazing experience. What do you think the biggest thing is, as you've gone along in that journey, what's, what's made the biggest you know, experience for you where you've just gone, wow, that, that's, um, or has there been many, you know, has there been many? You know what it is, honestly, it's, um, there have been instances and I, and I wrote them down that are inexplicable. And I'm trying to think of the, uh, like, um, <laughs> that they, like, they, they, so I believe that reality one way to look at it is is in terms of physics probability waves collapsing so there's a probability wave right now that an elephant falls on my head the probability is very low but it's a probability wave right mm -hmm. so when things occur so that like i bump into like one time i was running for a train in in manhattan and uh I, I, I don't know how it happened, but I, I ran, I was all sweaty. I ran through the gate and I watched the train pull out. And so I had to wait for the next one, like 40 minutes later, I went, I grabbed the beer, came back and there, every car was empty. Right. And I, and I sat down and, and I had a guitar with me in a suitcase and I, and I was, I, I just put everything down on the seat. And then this French woman came in to the car with her daughter and there were 50 open seats, but for some reason she said, can we sit there where my stuff was? And it was totally absurd, right? And we, I, you know, so I put my stuff up and, I, and they're speaking in French. And all of a sudden after half an hour, uh, this woman turns to her daughter and goes, she goes, je crois que je connais ce type. 
I think I know this guy, right? And, and, I, and I started speaking and we couldn't figure it out. And then like a year later, it turned out that we were in the hospital at the same time and like uh, the fifth floor of like wing C of Greenwich Hospital, January. And she used to visit me when I, I was in traction and I was on morphine. But if I hadn't missed that train, like I would never see her. It was, it was surreal. So I have about 20 instances in my life where like I'm in an airport, something, something goes awry or something, there's a, there's a sensation and it just is like, go to the laundromat now. <laughs> or like, or um, I, I'll go to a place that I've never been to before and I meet somebody that it turns out like I, I just was like, and then we're best friends for life or we, we, like, we haven't seen each other. I, 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 there's this weird story where there was a woman taking pictures at the laundromat for an assignment at UCLA. And for some, I, I just, I started speaking with her and she said, may I take your photo? And I said, well, actually let's go outside. And we went outside and as we went onto the street and she started taking photos, my college roommate from 1988 Philadelphia, like, like walked down, <laughs> like, but, it, but if I had it, it was so, it, so though, so if you're asking me, like, I, like the things that are inexplicable in terms of science, like, like sometimes people could just say, oh, well, it's just, those are 20 coincidences that you just happen to, but really I try to listen I'm not like a witch or crazy person, I don't think. But like, if 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 someone if something says to me, uh, oh, like you should really check this out, you know, and then I go, and then this other thing happens, I'm just like, wow, that's really interesting. So I I I don't know, maybe I'm naive. I I, I just I want to believe in a little bit of magic that there's that there's a higher intelligence. I'm not a religious person, but I, I want to, like, um, you know, Robert Plant says that he received Stairway to Heaven. And then Paul McCartney talks about, I forget which song, he woke up in the middle of the night and he, like, sang it into a recorder. Or, and then I think it was John Lennon. And then, it, you know, and, and like, Pete, like, where, do, where does music come from? Or where, when you have a creative idea for a screenplay, like, where does that come from? You know, like, are we self-generating? I mean, Elizabeth Gilbert has an amazing TED talk on, on, um, on creative genius, but it's, it's really like muses. So you have a choice. You can either believe that you receive things and you're a conduit and you channel, and that's what Reiki healing is also, or you can think I'm a genius and I'm going to cure cancer and walk around and be narcissistic and whatever. So it's a, it's a choice. And so through my classes and through my book, I help people make educated decisions about how they believe the universe is operating because when bad shit happens, most of us are just like, oh, that's terrible. But like, if I won the lottery today, I'd run out in the street. I'd be like, thank God but it would be the same God that did the terrible shit two weeks ago. So you have, to, <laughs> you have to figure out like an overall paradigm of how you relate to what, what, what are you doing here? What's your vocation? What's your calling? What's the universe telling you to do? And, it, you know, because, you know, you live in this system of capitalism, so you have to pay your rent. 
but still like you like you know a lot of us have been fooled into thinking that like money equals happiness when all the scientific studies show that there's very little correlation above a certain amount of money so for me it's like it's just like reframing the shit that we were taught to believe in school so that we can live healthier happier more productive lives yeah it's interesting what you say because i remember when i uh, lost my mum quite a few years ago now and after i'd lost her i took it quite badly because me and my mum were very close with one pair of her, and we had our struggles and a few days later well three things happened well i won't go into detail but it was almost like that was my mum saying i'm okay now i could but my brain was telling me no that that just happened it was just an accident that was just something that happened that these things were related to a mother and I, it's funny how as a human we try and play it down we're like no no that that just happened but inside i'm thinking that there's something there it's just the fact you can't you can't you can't prove it isn't it that's what's frustrating and as, as human beings we're, we're so negative and we're like no nah, it couldn't have been couldn't have been you're talking a load of shit right but i like to be on the other side of the fence where there's something in that something and it and, and ultimately regardless if it makes you feel better then surely that's a good thing do you know what i mean well that's an interesting thing i mean uh, I'll give you two sides. Uh, you know, we are meaning-making machines. Like the mind makes meaning, but but then um, Nietzsche has this beautiful quote. He says, "Why add more unknown to the already unknown?" So I I mean, your way of understanding it, I really I really like. Like it could be, and I choose because I want to live in a meaningful universe where people have souls and songs are received by those lucky people like Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen and not me. And, um, and, and, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you, you just, uh, create a world where you, you have meaning and, and you're not just walking around like, Oh, it's all meaningless. And we're just going to turn into dust and be eaten by worms. And you know. <laughs> yeah, proper old school. <laughs> you come from the earth, you back to the earth. That's it. Right. But I think some of that comes from generations of just having to struggle day day to day, you know, through wars well, and things like that, isn't it? I, honestly, in my understanding, I feel like Western civilization threw the baby out with the bathwater during the Enlightenment, meaning that it, it, science basically said uh, 200 years ago, if you can't weigh it, it doesn't exist. If you can't measure it in some ways. And so... It's interesting because we're coming back around from living in that uh, random, meaningless universe. And a lot of people are trying to use quantum physics to try to explain certain phenomena, why things happen. And I just mentioned, you know, probability waves. And, and, and the honest to God truth is I think human beings are supremely arrogant to think that we can actually know things. And I think that it's better and healthier to realize that you're creating a narrative and that it's dynamic. And you have, you, you, it, I feel like there's a lot of freedom in that. And it, for, similarly, I treat people for depression and anxiety. And I say, uh, you know, depression relates to thoughts about the past, anxiety relates to thoughts about the future. The past is dead and gone, the future doesn't yet exist. So, how can depression and anxiety exist? 
and it that 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 messes with people's brain. They're like, oh, my mother was bipolar, my aunt's bipolar. And I think it's a very empowering position because if you can choose better thoughts, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, if, I, if I walked around 35 years later complaining about the scar on my face all day, you'd be like, you know, uh, enough, Ira. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. But I think, it's like you said, I think some of it comes from generation to generation. So yeah. the great-grandfathers and granddads, you know, they were at war and that's what they did. So they told their children and it's making that change. And I do think that is shifting because of how fast the world is growing. Unfortunately, it's doing it the right way, isn't it? And, and trying to teach people and educate people, which yeah. is what, what you're doing ultimately. And also, um, there's a book from 15 years ago, uh, uh, 13 years ago, called Blessed Unrest by Paul Hawken. And he talks about like the earth ha being, uh, having a natural immune system and that we are gonna see more uh, tsunamis and pandemics and things like that because the earth is actually, um, there's, you know, what we've done in terms of the rainforest and the plastic and the oceans and the ozone layer. I mean, it was seven degrees in Austin, Texas last, Austin, Texas last week. You know, <laughs> that's, I, 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 I lived there. And then there was one summer where even at night, it never got below 90. I mean, Austin's a hot place for it to drop down to seven degrees, you know, and there's, there's all these phenomena going on in the world that are man-made and yet like we don't we're like no fossil fuels are ours we have cars and we need the metal and the plastic and we have to everybody has an iphone and it has those three chips in it where you got to like dangle little kids over like mines in the mud to like get that metal out and we're and and you and i think like oh yeah that's normal yeah 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 you're right I mean, we do question it a lot more now. And the, and the other thing is, it's such an important thing, the planet. But then the other thing is, we're evolving because of the technology and the things we're doing. It's just doing it in the right way, isn't it? But there's a fine line between, we don't need this anymore because it's dam damaging the planet, but we've got to evolve as, as a human race. Um, and I think it's making sure that's done correctly by the power. Let me tell you uh, an anecdote slash joke, and because it relates to this. So, in uh, there's a philosopher named J. L. Austin teaching at Columbia in like 1954, and he was teaching a course on uh, linguistics, and he said, um, "If I say the sky is blue, that's a positive statement, and if I say the sky is blue." I'm sorry, the sky is not blue. That's a negative statement. And if I say I cannot resist the chocolate, those are two negatives that make a positive. But in no instance in any language do two positives make a negative. And a guy in the back of the room said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when I tell that joke where I teach, I say, when you can explain the nuances of that joke to robots, they'll kill us all. <laughs> yeah. Because they'll realize how stupid we are. Because... The, the <laughs> That's it, yeah. When, that, when, yeah, 
You roll. I love, so my, 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 I wrote an article called uh, The Greatest Psychologist in the World is, uh, is Darren Brown. So like, yeah. I, like for me, uh, magic, jokes, and dreams are the way into the subconscious to find out like why we think the shit that we think. And, and when you start to understand the nuances of jokes and how we have these setups and we your mind creates expectations, it's the same for the rest of life. But what happens in the rest of your life is <laughs> those expectations just become prejudices. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's it, yeah, but remember, there'll be people that are listening to that joke going, "I don't get it." Remember that, <laughs> and they're the ones you've got to worry about. They're the ones you need to take to one side and say, "Right, I need to explain this." <laughs> but Darren Brown, I mean, I love Darren Brown. You watch all his shows. He's a, fasc a fascinating character, isn't he? It's uh, you know, it's very interesting. I was so privileged to sit first row in New oh, York. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and I have gone through uh, everything on YouTube and Netflix and, and I, and I sat was Which one was it? Pardon me? Which show, which show was it? Um, I, it was in November of, uh, it was called The Secret, Secret, Secret. Oh, right. And I think I've seen that. Is that his, new, his latest one? That was his latest one. And it, I mean, it's genius. It's so brilliant. And it's all about what I was just talking about, like these setups. And I, there were some things that I could, I have a lot of books on magic and I've, and I've asked a lot of magicians. Well, most of them are telling me to fuck off really. But, but, <laughs> but, but as you do it, as you do it. So, but I'm, I'm so fascinated in when the, uh, when the set, when, when the magic occurred, a lot of, most of the time, see the, the thing with Darren Brown is that his real genius is acting and because because the, the the magic's already done he already knows this information and he's pretending not to so but 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 when the, i watched him on like russell brand uh yeah. podcast and yeah. he's very uh, pensive demure i've read all of his books and he, i mean he's a lovely lovely yeah. human being who is also this tremendous performer and a genius in terms of um uh, 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 consciousness. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just like, I, 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 if you wanted to sit here for the next eight hours and talk about all of his tricks and how I think they might've been done and how other people think they are done, I could do that because it's so fascinating. I think we could learn more about that than by flying the fucking Mars. <laughs> what I love about Darren Brown is cause I'm a big fan and I've always loved magic is you'll know how he does some of the tricks, but he knows you know. So he's almost playing with your, your psychology. And, and he's very a very clever man that he knows exactly where to make you look, what to make you right. think. He's very, very in tune. And that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's everything, that's the whole package. So it's the trick, it's his acting, but it's his ability to know what you're thinking. And some of these TV shows, let's be honest, we look, some of these specials, we'll watch with it, yeah, as an actor, but there's parts of it that actually he has done this. So, you know, psychologically, I remember one where he's asking someone about a favourite song and as the person throughout the day, they played it on the bus and, you know, outside a restaurant. It's very clever stuff, isn't it? 
Yeah, again, the, the, the big question is, when did the trick, the, 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 the sleight of hand, uh, sleight of mind, whichever you wish to call it, when did it take place? That's, that's uh, and, and, and most of the time, it's way before you or I think it did, uh, you know, and that's the interesting thing. Um, but that, there was one trick that he did, I mean, that, that where there was a, <laughs> I love, he, you know, he throws the Frisbees out and then he gets people to say random kind of things and then he puts them together in a certain order and then there's this other guy on stage who has thought of a word and then the guy wrote the word down and then he uses these things to create a number and he says, okay, look on page 532 and like line 319, open your little thing. And the guy wrote down some word like uh, anti-disestablishment capital, some bizarre <laughs> thing. And, and that's the word right there. He's like, look, like, and, and, and you know, it's just, it's so beautiful. It's so poetic. It's just, it's really... <laughs> Yeah, you remind me, the way you see magic, it reminds me of myself. And sometimes I think I wish I'd just let it go over me. You watch things like uh, Americans Got Talent or Britain's Got Talent, where someone does a magic trick uh, and they, they're what, you know, Simon Cowell goes, wow, that's it. He's standing up and he's clapping. And I'm sitting there going, fuck off. He's just right. used a stooge. And, you know, I wish sometimes I could just sit back and see it through other people's eyes. But I suppose that's just the type of person, probably because I'm a creative. Well, you know. I, I, honestly, I would say uh, 75% of what Darren Brown does, I, I, I'm wrong about. Like, I, like I, 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 cre yeah. that I, I create, a, like, this is how I think it's done. And I think that if we actually sat down like on my deathbed before, so I couldn't tell anybody how the tricks were done, like <laughs> that, that I would be like, no, no. Like, because, because they're just so smart. But again, for me, it's all about consciousness. And as I said, we're meaning making machines. So I want to create this, this like, I have an understanding. I, you know, and, but, Here's what, it, uh, there's a book that came out out of London and I, I there was a lecture on, on Zoom uh, and it's about astonishment, but it's about Wittgenstein and Lacan. And so again, it's like, we don't understand how limited consciousness is. So that astonishment, uh, like, like learning something new, I make a joke in my classes, I say, it's impossible to teach anyone past the age of 10 years old anything. <laughs> the only thing you can do is you can inspire them like i got hurt in thailand i would have never learned about buddhism yeah. <laughs> if i didn't walk into a fucking door <laughs> yeah. yeah what is it what 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 gods were looking down on you then um it, it is it is a fascinating thing now talking about consciousness let's let's talk about mindfulness now because Oh, this year, I ain't making uh, New Year's resolutions, but I've, I've always been trying to meditate. One, because my mind just never stops. I know the benefits. And for the past few years I've tried, and this year I've said, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack on with it and really, really try every day to do a little bit. But I still struggle. It's the ego. It's the mind trying to take over. What, what do you think it is? What, what's the key? I'll give it that. to you right now. So we're go let's go right back to Darren Brown. Yeah. So 
Darren studied NLP. He writes about it in Tricks of the Mind. So the, 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 the basis, and I'll talk about two separate things here, but the basis of NLP is that you cannot tell the mind what not to think. Yeah. But, right. So for you, in terms of meditation, the only thing you can do is guide it towards something else. And so um, there's 8 billion people on this planet. There's 8 billion, I call them anchors. So for the, 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 the easiest one, um, because um, as I was saying, we threw out the baby with the bathwater, prana, which we consider to be just breath. But there was, you know, for thousands of years that it was an energy force also. But again, if you can just concentrate on the long, deep, delicious inhalations. And then the same thing on the exhalation. And, and think of it, um, you know, that's the ujjayi breath um, uh, from yoga. But, but it's really just the ability to um, trick the mind into releasing the thinking apparatus. So we're addicted to our thoughts. You know, we're addicted to our personality. We have these hamster wheels in our head. This is what I have to do. I have to be on time and I have to wash my hair and I have to write this thing and do this thing and blah, blah, blah. And if you can't unplug from that matrix, you, you're going to end up cracking up because it's just, it's interminable it's, and it's actually insufferable because, you know, there's this beautiful quote by Dan Harris. He says, meditation is like being kidnapped by the most boring person on earth. <laughs> Because your mind is just going to torture you into thinking the same repetitive stuff. And for me, after five or 10 years, because I'm a slow learner, I learned to laugh at the absurdity of my own thoughts that, I, that I'm thinking this shit, right? And but so has that, that took you 10 years to get there, though? Uh, I, as I said, I'm That's not really going to discourage me. I'm not an early adopter. I, I've maybe, maybe, ten years for this maybe, maybe four or five, but really, but this is what you should do. You should sit for two minutes, go be an underachiever. Yeah. And so if you're sitting there thinking, I'm meditating, I'm meditating, I'm meditating, I'm meditating, I'm meditating, you're not meditating. You can only know retrospectively that you're like, oh my God, that was amazing. I did not have a thought for one whole second. Like I, that, that was delicious. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I, wow. There, there's, a, there's a tipping point in meditation where all of a sudden like you, you, you get it and then you want to um, go deeper. And, and, and so as soon as you reach that tipping point, you'll, you know, you'll, 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 you'll be inspired and then you'll be like, oh, I'll, I'll sit for three minutes. Maybe I'll get two clean breaths without my mind torturing me, you know? And then maybe I'll sit for five minutes. Maybe I'll sit for, you know? And then, you know, there's all different tricks. There's visualizations, there's mantras. And you just have to find, if you're musical, like, I, I love mantras. I, 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 I recite yeah. a mantra. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Transmental, um, transcendental, transcendental, transcendental yeah. meditation. 
because I think maybe that would help me where I can concentrate on a mantra or something like that. I mean, yeah. David Lynch, he's a massive, he loves it, doesn't he? Is that something that's worth looking at if you struggle with just... Uh, or, yeah. or can you do different things and just try whatever? Um, so the four mantras from Transcendental Meditation are supposedly primordial sound. And again, so when I teach this, there's a rabbit duck image where your mind can only see either the rabbit or the duck. And you can, maybe if you can find it on the internet, you can put it on the screen afterwards. But um, meditation is like the same thing. And that's why I use the Darren Brown NLP thing. You can't tell the mind what not to think. So if I say, don't look at the duck, your mind has to look at the duck. So if I say, it's, it's the same thing with meditation. So what I, you can't say meditate. Right, yeah. but you say, um, just gently guide your attention towards the inhalations and the exhalations, and then your mind will go off track. And then you'll, you know, if you're just starting out, you'll get mad, you'll get upset, you'll be like, oh my god, why is this so easy for everyone else? I suck at this. Oh my god, what's wrong with me? I think too much. But you have to understand that everybody. I, I even think that His Holiness the Dalai Lama woke up at four thirty this morning and said. Not again, like, I, because it's the, it's the most difficult thing in the world. Like you're really trying to disidentify with this identity that you're addicted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the big, the big thing for me this time is I believe in it. Um, and I think that's the problem. Some people are trying it, it's a fad. But I actually have listened to it, I've read into it, and I, I know it's good for me. So here's the deal. So because of uh, the competitiveness of capitalism, we're all stressed out all the time. So that is one of the uh, ramifications uh, or, or benefits of meditation is um, calm because you're, you, get, you get to not think about that competitiveness for a little bit. Let me break it down. So uh buddha was a hindu the way jesus was a jew so um in hinduism yoga and meditation started as trying to um realize uh, brahman become one with the whole universe right and so when buddha went on his journey he real he thought um that there was no there there was no self to transcend and there was no divine to transcend to. So he considered, he, he developed mindfulness meditation, which is um, like exercising a muscle, like weightlifting. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're concentrating on certain things and you're watching your mind and maybe you're doing a body scan or you're doing things like that, but it's basically atheistic. <clears throat> so the, I, I think the best decision for you to make is, do you want to try to transcend yourself to realize your inner divinity, which is a Hindu tradition, or are you like, no, that's bullshit. Uh, I just want to tame like a, this little dog running around my fucking head. And then, <laughs> and then you're basically just espouse uh, Buddhism and just try those practices. So that's a, that's one distinction that's very um inspirational and very very motivational just 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 think about like your your basic reason i mean yes the benefit is calm but are you trying to uh tame the the wild puppy in your head or are you trying to 
commune with the the divine. The divine. I don't think it's the divine, if I'm honest, Ira. Well, <laughs> yeah, Dan Morrison would beg to differ. Just give me 10 minutes apiece. That's all. Uh, it'd just be nice to just have a bit of, a bit of clarity. How, uh, how long do you um, meditate for, Ira, a day? Well, I, I, I'm doing about 10 minutes in the morning, and uh, and I, I I have a I try to just do the you know the beads, and I yeah I, I heard about the beads. That's supposed to be another another idea that all religions are like that. Again, it's just you're 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 um you're tricking the mind into releasing that mechanism that is just like perpetually thinking. Yeah, and, and it's it's the most difficult thing you'll ever do, and. But once you get it and you're like, oh, you know, like you're like, okay, now I get it. Because the, the, the beauty of yoga and meditation is that when you're, you're just like, how old are you? 45. Great. So at any patty past the age of 30, I think is like a bundle of reactions waiting for stimuli. And where you're like, you, you just have these things in your head, these tropes, like this is how I'll react if this happens or if that happens. So for me, you know, beginner's mind, which is a, a facet of Buddhism, that's what you want to show up in an authentic manner, not be this bundle of prejudices. So being able to clean the slate in the morning and just get a couple of clean breaths means that when I'm out and somebody goes through a stop sign, and I think it's this cosmic injustice and I should drive <laughs> up to this person and flip them off or whatever my mind tells me to do, which obviously I'm not going to do. But, 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 but I would have if I were 18. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. So you just, it helps you make healthier decisions throughout your day. Yeah, definitely. Now, mental health was everyone through the pandemic. Uh, I did last week, I did a mental health special where we had three specialists on. Um, talking and just giving offering advice because I think where we are in the UK our last lockdown has really affected people the, the lockdown before people came out of it but gave us a taste of reality back well normality and then we put we were back in lockdown and people I know who, who would never say they were struggling turn around and say you know even I'm struggling what do you think the key is mental health wise or have you got any sort of yeah, for me, that so Sartre said, man is confronted by his freedom. So that's one extreme. And then the other extreme is like prison, which is what you just called lockdown. So for me, it's, it's the, 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 the sane way out of it is knowing the amount of structure and the amount of freedom which causes you to thrive. Like if you have to work, at a 70 hour a week job, you probably don't have freedom to pursue your passions. So for, so for me, it's like, I, I have like a list of things and there's a, there, I, you know, this is funny we're talking about, I never do this and I'm not advertising, but there, this, one of my patients came in and he gave me this app called Streaks. It's, it's $4.99. Yeah. If, if they want to call me and thank me for advertising. <laughs> no, 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 but it's like you, it, you so basically, it's like little victories because we have too much freedom. So you like, I meditated today. So you hit the button and you're like, yay. I, and then it, and it tells you, I you just meditated seven days in a row. And um, for me, you know, I, uh, I curl, I do sun salutations. Like, so it does those things. And, you know, you just have to, um, 
There's also a chapter in my book on, I call it remissions, but it's better known as like uh, blowing off steam. So you have to know, you know, like, maybe it's going down to the pub on well here on Sunday and like watching football and screaming like that lets off your bad juju or maybe it's doing yoga or going for a run or bicycle or doing something but we're you know uh, Freud wrote civilization and it's discontent so we're not really allowed to show a very wide range of emotional experiences in our culture and and in the pandemic we're especially constrained so we need to figure out those tools that will allow us to express ourselves like like you write screenplays so like you probably have like this wild roller coaster emotional like relationship where you're like this is amazing i got this great idea this is better than the sting this is better than butch and sundance i'm i'm gonna win academy award and then two days later you're like this is shit right and you go, <laughs> how you, dare you <laughs> i don't know but that's what all writers do that so you do, but you have to understand the process and then you have to be able to um uh have tools to mitigate your emotional experience and and you know be able to express these things in a healthy manner so you know you're not passive aggressive with your wife or your kids or you know your or the clerk at the store you like you can show up in real life and be like okay i i i just wrote this screenplay i or for me i like i have all these I have all these like ideas for books and movies and all these things here. And if I make one thing a year, I'm like, good year, right? You know, yeah. I mean, Kafka in his, in his, uh, in his diaries wrote, uh, one day he wrote, today was a good day. I wrote one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I are like these media yeah. making we're like sitting there like how can i make how can i do another podcast how can i do this who can i call like i gotta i where's oprah where 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 <laughs> is she in town how can i get her on the phone well i asked her but she uh, rejected my call unfortunately um but i think you're right we beat ourselves up we do beat ourselves up a lot and especially with the pandemic it's made us think a lot about ourselves and our journeys but then the other side of it is we need to be challenged we need to do things that challenges the easiest things to sit on the settee and not bother but that's not good for our mental health and it's like i always say i'll, I'll do a bit of running uh, nothing major but i don't really enjoy it but when i finish the run i feel great so it's all about you know pushing through that boundary because you will feel better afterwards and you'll be thrilled you'll be thrilled to know that for me when i run i listen to Thin Lizzy, UFO, Iron Maiden. Like I have like this like soundtrack in my head of British metal from when I was like 14, 15 years old. My first concert I went to was Maiden and Judas Priest. Yeah, wow. When I did proper concert. Rob Halford. I saw Paul Diano in, in Iron Maiden and I saw Bruce Dickinson years later. And I got to talk to Bruce Dickinson too because yeah. of wow. yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like for me, I, when I run, I, I, it's, it is this like testosterone, like 15 year old, like I, I, got, I, gotta, I gotta get out there. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful thing when you hear music and it, and it just hits the right spot. I mean, I never went to see Iron Maiden concert, but I know some people that did back in the day and they said it was just phenomenal. It put, it put concerts today to shame. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw them several times and it was really beautiful. But they, uh, yeah, I mean, all the, I, I honestly think like 78, 79, right before then, uh, the Scorpions, I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw Bon Jovi yeah. open for the Scorpions. Because yeah. the Scorpions were bigger. Yeah, well, uh, over, the, here, over here, I used to be a big Bon Jovi fan. I've seen him at Wembley. Uh, oh. Craziest concert, I've seen Billy Idol, and he was just an absolute nutter. Yeah. But they were proper shows. You'll watch some concerts now, and you think, you're paying a lot of money, and they're just there. You know, this is fascinating, but this is what we were talking about before. So, that, so in my book, I write about this... Uh, 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 fight between Aristotle and Plato <clears throat> is art uh, mimetic or cathartic. So do we do we go to an Iron Maiden concert and go into the mosh pit and blow off steam, or does it cause us to go out and want to get into fights? And for me, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like we need to do that screaming, primal, you know, rocking, whatever the, the whatever we did was kept us out of jail you know like like when we were 14 and 15 and 16 years old going to see maiden and, and judas priest and all these you know i mean it comes down to the person if you go to that and you're an angry person but you go to it because you enjoy it. you're a happy person anyway you enjoy the music you take the enjoyment i suppose there's just the odd person that's just not looking into that but it's all about doing it in the right way i suppose um Anyway, I always ask people for a bit of advice, Ira. So that can be um, for advice, what you would give people who maybe are struggling a bit at the minute or uh, want to get into mindfulness and all the amazing things you've done. What, what sort of advice could you give or the best bit of advice you've been given? You know, you asked me this question, uh, like one incident that kind of changed my life and I couldn't give an answer, but now I just thought of something. So yeah. I was teaching in Boston and there was a, an addiction specialist and he came up to me uh, during the break and he said that, uh, he was an older gentleman, and he said that he had received a phone call from a guy who said, can I take you to lunch? Uh, you saved my life 30 years ago. And the guy said, yes. And so they, he goes to lunch with this like stranger and uh, the guy tells him all about his life for the past 30 years. And um, at the end of the meal, uh, the addictions counselor says, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I'm so sorry, but I have to admit, like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't ever remember meeting you. How did, how did you, how did I save your life? And he said, um, well, I walked in to my first meeting and you put your hand on my shoulder and said, you're going to be okay. So for me, like treating every interaction with a human being as if you're potentially saving their life or they're potentially saving your life. I mean, we don't know <laughs> for sure. There's no, there's no theory of how the universe is really operating. We're all just making it up as we go along. And so I want to live in a meaningful universe. So I believe that these interactions like this are precious and that like I have to be here and I have to show up and I have to teach because I have been privileged to travel around and study these things that I've studied for so long. Terribly indulgent that I got to do this stuff. Like it's horrible really for 25 <laughs> years. Yeah. To think of all the things like to, to the, you know, that I, you know, so it's just, uh, 
figuring out how you, the universe is telling you that you can make a difference. And if for some reason you're not getting that message right now, just go to the default of like being of service for other people, being compassionate, being kind, being loving, showing up in a new, vulnerable, authentic manner so that uh, you know, um, you inspire people, you know, you can't tell people like be vulnerable or be authentic, but you can model it. And hopefully it inspires people like, because, you know, God, I, I mean, we're, we're really taught to be assholes. If you think about, <laughs> if you think about the way men are raised and like what we learn playing football, soccer, and the things we learn, you know, like, or if you go into the army, we're, we're taught like this, this, and, and the world is, is, is transforming. You and I are on team transition. So we're helping people not be assholes, really. Like we're, we're helping people learn a new way of being so that they don't have to live in fear so that they can show up in a new way and transform the world into a better place or else we'll just end up blowing the whole fucking thing up. I love that, I love that voice. I spoke to a guy, a comedian in Australia, and he said, be consciously kind. And I thought yeah. that was good, be consciously kind. Because we can all say, be kind, but consciously kind. And like yeah. you say, the little interactions, because we don't know what that other person's feeling, especially at the minute. I know. The way things are, and people don't always tell you, they won't always show you. So just a bit of respect and just be consciously kind. And I love that little anecdote. Just a pat on the back. It just makes such a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. Okay. And now I always ask my guests before we finish of a favorite. It can be a book, a film, anything like that. Just accessible to all. You can have a couple if you want, because I know you've got loads. You said you have loads. It's a weird thing. I don't know who watches or listens to your podcast, but for some reason, the, there are these movies about... Uh, why men are the way they are that transform me. The first one, and it, 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 I, I, it, this will make you laugh, like the movie that really like tr transformed my understanding of filmmaking was With Nell and I. Oh, so, yes. And there were, it, there's so many um, like undertones and, and interesting things that, uh, that occurred in that movie. And the writing was so delicious. Like every line like, like made a difference. So that was one. And then after that, there's a movie by, it was written by Jules Pfeiffer, who's the cartoonist, but directed by Mike Nichols called Carnal Knowledge with Jack Nicholson and Art Garfunkel. And it traces their life from like when they're 18 until they're like 50 and their relationships with women. And I actually think my theory of this movie a carnal knowledge is that no, <laughs> no one will agree with me. I, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> actually, they, they're the, they're one person because all men have uh, like uh, our egos, and we want our ego stroked, and then we have like this angel on this other shoulder, and we want love. And w men are are very conflicted because we it's it's hard to you know, um, have a, a, a balance where you, you can do good things in the world, earn your living and, and generate love, you know, because as I said, we, we live in this system that's very competitive. There's a book uh, called Kids These Days by Malcolm Harris. And he says that the primary goal of capital, meaning the people with money, is to exploit, he doesn't use that word, I'm, I'm adding that, is to 
pay labor as less as possible. That's like, like their goal. So we have to transform the world into like a win-win situation. So when I watch movies, and the last one I'll mention, which is about men, the, 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 scene, the last scene from Hell or High Water with Jeff Bridges and Chris oh, made me fall. I fell out of my chair in the movie theater. Because, no, 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 because if you think about it, he, so Jeff Bridges has come to kill Chris Pine to avenge his, his partner's death. And Chris Pine knows this, but Chris Pine has done his job. To, he's given his sons these, this oil, this, all this oil field so that he can break this chain of, of, um, of uh, poverty. So, but it's like this sacrifice that you and I have been taught to make, to, to die, for this absurd belief of like, this is what I, I'm a man and I have to do this and kill these people and blah, blah, blah. And it's just fucking insane. So, and you know, like, and when, when Jeff Bridges and uh, like Chris Pine says, well, I, I rent a little place downtown. Like, I'd like to be done with this. Like maybe uh, you, you can stop by and, and then the, the parentheses and, and do me a favor and kill me. And he says, yeah, maybe I'll give you some peace of mind. And then, and then it, like Jeff Bridges is like, or maybe I'll give it to you. Like, and you're just looking at this men, they're, they're, they're like you and I right now, but they're saying, I can give you peace of mind. I'm just gonna blow your brains out. And you, you, you're just thinking like, how, how does the world come to such a place where human beings think like this, that I, I, I'm, I'm speechless that, yeah. I mean, you know the end of the film, right? Oh yeah, I've watched the film a few times. It's it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. I mean, the acting's phenomenal. But what I love about that ending is, you, it, it almost says you don't have to do any action. Jeff Bridges doesn't have to do any action. He's just going to leave Chris Paul, and Chris Paul has got to think that for the rest of his life. Right. And that's that's his torment. But that's the other right. side, the other side of it is, is Jeff Bridges's Jeff from Jeff Bridges's side. Chris Pine's. Um, give a, given over. He's not fighting anymore. He's not going to try and fight him. So in another sense, Jeff Bridges is thinking, well, there's no point. Because if I kill him, I want him to, I want him to hurt. I want him to know that. And that revenge is going to make me feel better. But will it really? So there's so many things you exactly. could do. Yeah, it's fascinating. But we have a whole system of um, justice in America, the Code of Hammurabi, that's actually based on revenge. And those are the type of things that I look at because you and I have these paradigms, these perspectives, these belief systems, and until we question them, and is this, does this really make the world a better place, this revenge paradigm? Like, am I, am I gonna feel better if this, you know, if I, if I make this person hurt? So again, I feel, I feel as if we're moving into a new compassionate world and, you know, um, it's, it, it, T.S. Ellis famous really wrote, you know, does, does it end with a bang or a whimper? And at some point in time, I thought like, oh, like there's some really smart people out there. Like maybe we can slide into this place. And then, you know, I see other things happening in the world and those like, there's going to be a bang, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I don't know, but you and I are here to help other people. We've got to try. And it's interesting what you say about forgiveness. I saw that somewhere on one of your sites, but I spoke to, I've spoke to a few people and, and one guy was abused and he, he really had uh, trouble. Um, he went into prison, things like that. 
And how he went forward, and I've heard this a few times, is he forgave the, the abuser. And it's so powerful. It's such a powerful thing for, you, for the person um, to forgive another person. And it's such a beautiful thing. It's so much better than holding that angst and wanting revenge. Just forgive them because it's not about them. It's about you finding, finding peace. So powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Well, your mind was built to create woulda, coulda, shoulda, didn't, right? Those are resentments. Yeah, like your mind is trying to shove this square peg into a round hole and give you a better past. And it's not possible. You can't go back in time and not be in the car accident or not be abused or not whatever happened. So with, with those machinations about revenge, oh, I'll be happy if this person knows how bad he made me suffer, you're only hurting yourself. You know, resentment is like poking yourself in the eye and waiting for the other person to go blind. You know, you just have to uh, release your, your mind's um, natural proclivity to create these woulda, coulda, shoulda, didn't. Because at the end of the day, you can't change the past. It's like trying to shove a square peg into a round hole and you're only hurting yourself. Yeah, definitely. The world will be a better place if, if angry people can try and... I think that's one of the big problems. But anyway, look, we could talk world peace all day. We've and, talked... <laughs> and Iron Maiden. Yes. Um, now, if people want to get in touch or, or look at your website, Ira, where, where can they find you? Just my name, www.iraisrael.com, I-R-A-I-S-R-A-E-L. And my book is How to Survive Your Childhood Now That You're an Adult. And people like the audible version. And I have a bunch of courses on Udemy. One's called Authenticity and Awakening for Lovable Idiots. And the other one's called Mind Hacks for Difficult Situations. So uh, everything, if my website is a portal, you can get to my book, you can get the audible, you can get to the courses, you can get to everything through the website. And uh, anybody who has any questions, just send me an email or give me a call. I'm, I'm available. Yeah, the, the, the website's brilliant. Some brilliant information and videos on there. So definitely people people check that out. Well, look, Ira, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. I'm so glad I spotted that message on Instagram. It's funny how things yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring, bring people together. But what you're doing is just fascinating and, and brilliant. Yeah. And make sure you keep doing what you're doing. Make sure you stay in touch. And when I do manage to do that trip over Santa Monica, I'll pop yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. down for a coffee. Please. I will, and we can go riding, a lot on the cycling. Mine will be an electric one. <laughs> All right, you look after yourself, mate, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much, Lee. Thanks. Take care. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Aura for joining me today and also to you for listening. Make sure you follow the podcast because coming up over the next few months, the, uh, there are some more extraordinary interviews, trust me. The podcast streaming on all the usual platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, so please leave a rating on there, subscribe, comment, do what you got to do. Uh, it all helps the channel and to keep up to that on social media, Facebook's My Way Thinking Podcast, Instagram's My What Podcast, and Twitter is My Way Thinking without a G on the end, a three instead. And every week I put the whole conversation on YouTube, so if you want to see this beautiful face, <laughs> tanned, getting tanned, yes, come on, come on, son. Uh, just put My Way Thinking Podcast in it'll pop up now if you do want to come on or you want to ask me a question or you think you you know someone who'd be a great guest drop me an email it's my what podcast at com. okay until next time thanks ever so much for listening god bless take care